Welcome to this week's edition of An Hour of Your Life. My name is Kim. Are you going to introduce yourself? In a minute, when the music's done. And I am Steve. And we have an interview show today. Yay! I I love interview shows. Yeah. So we we are... We're checking in with some old friends. FaceTiming, and I'm sitting here looking at Chad. I don't see Michelle, but I know she's over there because I heard her talking. (laughs) And I got to remember not to pick my nose or do anything, and I even, put on, judge. Totally I, even, fine. I even put on clothes for this episode, so yeah. there we go. <laughs> well, so thank you. the Wells family is in the house, and so we thought we'd just check in on them. Well, they're not actually in the house. They're in their house. They're not in our yeah. house, um, but we yeah. thought we would check in with them, see how everything's going. It's it's been kind of a weird few months. It has in, been a really weird In the few world months. at large. Look, hey, before we get started, I, 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 I hate doing this, but I've got to do it. Last week... The sound quality oh. of, and I was just sitting here talking with Chad and Michelle about this. I, I don't know what happened. I know what happened. One of the cables wasn't plugged in right. And so as I'm watching all the little squiggly lines on the recording, like mine were pegging off the wall, but Kim's were really quiet. And it was my episode. Yeah. And so apparently we were only recording through the microphone on the computer and not through our our regular microphones, but I've got it fixed this so, week. So, bottom line, the sound quality last week sucked, and we're sorry. Yeah, we'll but the better. content, but the content was awesome. Heck, yes, it was. I it worked was. hard on that show. Chad, Michelle, how are y'all doing? <laughs> we're hanging in we're there. We're hanging in there. Yeah, yeah. Enjoying summer we're as best we here. can. That's right. <laughs> yeah, like That's Kim the said, important thing. This has been absolutely the weirdest five six months I think I've ever experienced in my life. It's like an extended bad dream. Yeah. <laughs> 2020 just won't end. I know, right? Um, no. I also, so uh, I kind of have been keeping a running tab on things that have happened. Um, and I know Chad uh, has a four o'clock Facebook feed. I'm assuming you're still doing it. I have been off Facebook for about a month and a half now, so I have not seen it. I got rid of my Facebook. Um, but he has a wonderful four o'clock Facebook feed. Where he just well, comes comes on and plays guitar and talks and good good for you for yes. getting off there. <laughs> I, I I have actually stopped doing the four o'clock uh, about a week ago. It's right? Been a okay. week. It's been a week. Um, I um I, I was doing. I think I did it for 105 days wow. uh, straight. Uh, I think I had like <laughs> one day where I was mopey and and feeling bad, so Michelle did it for me. Uh, I but, remember uh, that day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, uh, I, uh, I kept going in there, and it's that Facebook feed sort of keeps feeding you the same stuff over and over again, and it keeps your mind in this sort of place where you're thinking about this pandemic and and what everybody's doing and what they're not doing and who's doing it right and who's doing it wrong, uh, and I kept finding myself talking to people every day and I couldn't get off the subject of what we were all going through with the pandemic. And I didn't want it to be about that. And as we got further and further into it, I started having that where I'm sitting and saying, you know, you shouldn't go out. You should wear your mask. You shouldn't do anything. And these people are liking it and following it, but I'm watching them every day go out and do stuff (laughs) and not wear their masks. 
and all this. And so then I'm getting angry and then I feel like I'm in a place to like a, a, an angry teacher or something. I have to tell these students what they're doing wrong or, and, and th those were the kind of feelings I was having. I was like, this, this isn't about that. So uh, I actually quit doing the four o'clock every day. Uh, and I'm in the midst now of trying to figure out exactly what I'm going to do to still sort of um, keep in touch with people. keep in touch with people yeah. and keep spreading our our message uh, online. You know, there's so much we can't do physically now. Everything that I do almost uh, comes down to some sort of physical contact. My my band, you know, we, we can play music and record music at home and everything like that. But the band is a live visceral experience where you, you should really see it uh, in person. And, and uh, it's, yep. it's Although, a pretty close together kind of thing. I will uh, interrupt you there and say that during the lockdown, like when we really couldn't go out anywhere, Cricket Bows yeah. released their second uh, feature length film, wasn't it? It was, it was a pretty yeah. long one. I was, yeah. loved it. It was a, like we, um, we watched the, it, it was on YouTube and you had a watch party and we were there yeah. and we were dancing and we were part of the I, whole I wasn't thing. Dancing, well, Steve I wasn't was dancing. Watching. He was watching me dance. Um, <laughs> it was just such a neat experience. And it was so interesting because there were people still, um, you know, it's maybe not as much of a cricket bow show as a live show would be, right. but there were absolutely still people communicating back and forth through the whole thing. Oh, yes. And, it was just really, really a neat experience and um, kind of a, a one of the blessings of technology. Okay, yeah. now that, that, that leads me to one question that has absolutely okay. nothing to do with what I was ever thinking about, but we, we, we were talking about dancing. And if we go someplace, I don't <laughs> know, it's because I'm used to having the guitar or something in my hand. I find it very, very awkward to dance. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I would much rather be on the stage doing something than out there on the floor doing something like that. One hundred percent. Yeah, I can't. The and mood. When I get dragged out onto the dance floor, the rare occasion <laughs> that it happens, she we're somewhere and she's like, "Come on!" And so I finally get up the gumption to take her out on the dance floor, and it's it's the most embarrassing white guy walking in a circle. <laughs> can you just dance that I do? Can you just play something slow for me? Yeah. yeah. I can dance like the Fonz. If you're watching happy days, the Fonz, yeah. didn't matter what the song was, the Fonz is slow dance. And I can do that. Put your head on my shoulder. We'll just rock back and forth for hours. But, uh, I, I'm not, yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not much of a rug cutter. Yeah. So how did that, um, video the mute in the movie i remember when you guys recorded it because we were going to go out and and take part in it but i remember the night that you recorded it yeah. it was cold and rainy and miserable and i said i just can't like i was already kind of fighting something off and i was like i it's can i let's just not but yeah. so tell us about the recording of that a little bit it's so what we ended up with was basically like a live concert live show uh, what we what we originally recorded that show for was something different. There was um, to to coincide with the new album that we haven't put out yet. Uh, we were going to do sort of a fictional, uh, sort of half real and half fictional film, and uh, where it, and it had to do with sort of time travel and all kinds of different stuff. And that scene that that show was supposed to be part of the backdrop for it. Uh, and so everybody really kind of dressed up and did, did, uh, I mean, there's, there's costumes and all kinds of stuff going on in there, body painting. And it was really a big 
event. It was a happening, you know, and uh, it, it uh, when everything shut down, we couldn't shoot the rest of the movie. There was no way to really do what we had planned. So I took uh, the Yellow Cab is where we did the event. They yep. gave us 24 track soundboard recording of our performance. So I took that performance and kind of mastered it and mixed it and made it sound as good as could be without without fixing anything. I wanted it to be real and raw. So about three quarters of the way through, I go out of tune a good couple times. But uh, a, we got the best audio that we could. And I had five local photographers and videographers shooting the whole thing. And I gave them very little direction. I wanted them to capture the entire night from their own perspectives, um, however they felt they should do it. So I had... You know, it was a two-hour show uh, or, or thereabouts, and so I had about ten or more hours worth of video to to comb through to put that together. Uh, and so it was that that first what couple weeks of the pandemic or whatever. I was I was just day and night editing that film and putting it together. And uh, the night itself was phenomenal. It was. I mean, there was. It's one of those things when you do a big event and you have to capture it so it has to happen properly. Of course, everything that can go wrong will. So there was all kinds of technical stuff that was a problem and all sorts of just all sorts of problems. Uh, but the performance, once it took off, it was it was a magical. Yeah. And it, it really comes through this through the screen like you could feel that everybody was really intensely in the moment. And you, and and they you guys Thank all did a great job of capturing that. Thank you. so Yeah, much. we enjoyed it. It, it was wow. it was a good time. And, and it, the, the best time with a performance like that for me, the best moment is when it's just finished you know when it's over leading up to it is torture uh putting it on stage is torture mm -hmm. uh and then in the moment you're just sort of it's just happening you don't have time to really like soak it in and then you have that moment when it's done and it and you really see people's faces and realize that it was good because uh, you as you're performing you just don't know you just don't know if you're doing good or not you i could be just sucking up one side and down the other and I have no idea. Uh, and then luckily I could tell that we did good. And I think we stood outside in that freezing cold for I think an hour, hour and a half as we were all loading out and everything. We, we just about froze our sweaty clothing solid. Yeah. Uh, just standing outside talking to all the people that were sort of basking in the afterglow. So that's when you know it's good is when you're oh, yeah. trapped in the rain or heat or cold and, and you and, and you, you don't it. care. You love it because you're you're having that moment together. Yeah. So. No. Well, we even yeah. stopped our Netflix binge to watch. So. <laughs> you, uh, you, you kicked Tiger King awesome. off of our screen. Yeah. Well, all right. <laughs> that's now, a that's let me good. ask you this, too. So a Cricket Bows show, for those who are local who have never been, it's a very ethereal experience when you're in the audience. Do there you, you guys, go. Using big words at me again. <laughs> do you guys feel that on stage, too, when you're playing? Do you feel that sort of um, ephemeral, like just floating? Uh, yeah. So you're, it, it, and I. It seems like you would because it kind of transcends into the audience that because you're putting it off that feeling. Um, so it's it's either you guys are really good actors or <laughs> or you're feeling it as much as the audience is. It's hard to act up there. I I have. Um... 
I had so the band I was in years ago. I was I was one of those performers. I'm talking like 20 years ago. I was one of those performers where I really had to have the audience behaving a particular way. We were a heavier band, so I wanted the audience to like mosh and slam dance and move and get get crazy. And if they didn't, if I didn't get what I needed from them, I I had a bad show and and I would sulk on stage and I broke several guitars <laughs> and cut the shows early. And then so the next band I moved into uh, was called the Jackalopes. And in that band, I really did decide that I was going to do the same show. Uh, I mean, we changed the set list up, but it was the same show ultimately every time. It was the same intensity, and it didn't matter if anybody was there or not. I was going to do the same sort of athletic punk rock performance uh, every time. And I, and I got pretty good at that, uh, but it was it was sort of like such a sticky novelty kind of specific type of punk rock that I could I could go up and play a character mm. uh, and with with cricket bows I can't do that as much it's 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 all very sort of autobiographical and and you know spiritual and whatever and so uh but the great thing is is that the band especially Erica um they it is obvious that they're feeling it too and as things sort of like as we lock in um you know there's every song tends to have this massive crescendo because uh, it, it, it just um, uh, you, you connect and you just sort of, I, I don't know what the word is for it. I always say they get on stage together and they click and their brains connect and they share one share brain, a brain. Yeah. and you, you can tell you can see that. Yeah. They, they don't communicate about how things are going to go really. It's no. just all look and feel. And it's a, a lot in live shows that are, they're actually writing new songs on the stage and people don't even realize do. it. That's one of the things about the band that I really wanted was we didn't want to just be like a Grateful Dead jam band because that can get boring for the audience if they're not really in the right frame of mind. So I wanted it to be pretty accessible music, but, uh, but I really love just letting the sort of stream of consciousness happen letting letting things sort of tail out and do their own thing so and as you've aged bringing the crowd together and making everyone feel something in any way you can positive that's been yeah. your goal now and it's nice to be able to do that you have that ability now through the years of being on stage you've learned how to bring people together we do that yeah and, and there's not a lot of planning we do i do things like i do sort of set personal intentions for a show uh, but I don't talk to the band. We don't get together backstage and like, this is what we're going to do and this is how it's going to be. Uh, but I do kind of lead with symbolism and stuff like that. So like every set list uh, is different and I'll put like different weird sigils and symbols and things on the set list. So the band sort of gets like a psychological picture of some sort that this is something that they don't even know what the hell I'm doing or why I'm doing <laughs> but they But they, they go, okay, this is, he's, he has an intention here for, for what we're doing and we're going to kind of take it seriously. And every uh, time I've seen you all play, it just, it's a very natural thing. It doesn't look like a, a when I say a set performance, like we've rehearsed this, this is how we're going to do it. This is how we always yeah. do it. It looks just like a very natural, like a group of friends playing and yeah. singing and yeah. having a great time with each other. That's, that's yeah. how it comes I across to it. me. We haven't been able to do it. We haven't gotten in a room. We've been in a room with Erica I've not been in a room with any of the other guys from the band at all. Yep. Uh, and and uh, we haven't played any kind of live music or, or 
you know, even just in a room together, we've, I miss it. I miss it like crazy. It is a big part of my, you know, just the band practices weekly were a big part of my life and schedule and, and whatever. And, and, uh, it's what kept you guys being natural. I would say that's yeah. The we friendship just, every week, getting together and we, visiting and checking on each other. And yeah, whether, together. whether it was back in the day, we used to practice in Mike's basement or we, we, for the last, I don't know, year or two, we've, we've got this hundred plus year old church that we rehearse in, uh, that room kind of has its own magic, but, mm-hmm. uh, no, it doesn't matter where we're at. That it has been sort of like a weekly communion. Like we get together and we sort of commit to each other and yeah, and play for just hours and hours and hours. And that's I think that's how we're able to keep it natural is just by it's just enjoying part of our each thing. other. Yeah. yeah. Now so. speaking of Erica, what is the status of Wells and Watson and Ghost Notes? Is that are those projects just on hold for now, or is that something that you guys think you might continue to work on? We're going to continue working on everything, but everything is sort of in a little bit of a weird holding pattern. Ghost Notes uh, was our, our our paranormal show where we would go to different places, and and we had really just started this idea. We had only shot a few things. I think there's only one or two episodes up, but um, it was supposed to be a video show. We were going to do it weekly, um, but I think that we're going to try to transition that uh into something like what you guys do, uh, a, a podcast recorded and we'll talk about these things rather than physically being able to go and show them. Um, but we haven't done it yet. So I, I say that we're thinking about doing that and it doesn't necessarily mean that it'll happen. Uh, but ghost notes is definitely something that we want to continue to do. Wells and Watson, we're definitely doing, we have some music sort of in the can that's ready to come out that hasn't come out yet. Ooh, that's uh, exciting. Yeah, it's Cricket Bows too. Cricket Bows, we have a full album done, finished. Uh, we just had an amazing artist named Alan Forbes who's done art for, like, the Black Crows. Yeah, he's and kind of rock royalty. He is. I mean, he's the the guy, uh, you know, and uh, San Francisco artist. And uh, he's done the cover for us, and uh, that's ready to come out. But we're trying to figure out, you know, the, the deal is you, when you have a new record, you get your fan base hyped up about it. You get everybody really excited to come out and that hopefully you sell, you know, two, 200 copies at your first show uh, because you have that many people there and they want to have a keepsake of that night. But we can't do that. We don't have any way to tour this thing, uh, like promoting it. With, every time we do a record, we do a PR cycle where we pay a guy basically to get us in all of these magazines and stuff. And we can sort of still do that. But we, if you're not playing shows um, and, and stuff, it's, it's harder for them to have anything to talk about right right now, but we just have right to now. figure our way around it. You just yeah. gotta be smart, put the thought time in and we'll figure it out. So. Yeah. So we're kind of sitting on stuff. We, we had, we had a whole set of, we, Erica and Michelle and I were supposed to be, uh, getting ready to head out West in September, uh, to do some Wells and Watson shows. We were going to California and Arizona and New Mexico and, we we're going to shoot ghost notes episodes and do shows. We had a, an agent working for us and that's all off the table now. So yeah. it's, it's all about trying to figure out what to do and how to do it. And we're, and so some of us, I, some of the band members would be more than happy to get in, in a room together right now. Mm. Some of the guys are out working every day for the most part. We're all like, 
mask people. We have like one guy in the band who's like not a mask guy, you know. But he doesn't. No, hate nothing political or anything yeah. like that. He no. just doesn't do it's it. It's his but, personal. Yeah. But every everybody's got different levels of of exposure right yep. now, and we happen to live in a household where we have uh, family members who are immunocompromised. And so we're really being extreme about our contact with Well, people. they're actively sick. They're not. They're, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not, you know, compromised. They, yeah. They're sick. So yeah. uh, we can't bring that into the house. So, sure. uh, and, you know, similarly, Erica's being really careful too. Uh, everybody's being careful, but. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I ask you, you know, when we talked about, you know, if you would come on and do the podcast with us, I ask, are you comfortable coming here or we can do it like this? And you said, no, yeah. I think we still want to. Keep separated uh, right now. Which we totally I would, understand. I, I work... would love to be there with you guys, though. I'd love to share a drink with you and see yeah. you in person and all of that. But We totally support it. I mean, I work. Steve is working from home for the most part. He only goes into the office one day a week, but I work for a massage studio. So I am there five days a week, eight uh, hours a day, working with yeah. the public. And so yeah. I, I totally get it. Um, I am very excited about the new Cricket Bows album. You can only listen to Sea Green on repeat so many times before you're uh, like, I need new material. So um, we are very excited for the new album. Oh, good. It's it's it's, it's a good one. I, yeah, I'm, I, it's the most. I'm the most proud of it of anything that I've ever created. It's wow, like, that's saying a lot. Sea Green on repeat. So, <laughs> you yeah. listen to Sea Green on repeat. Yep. Well, so is this an exclusive? I mean, is this the first <laughs> time this is all being announced right here? No. Or what? <laughs> uh, well, I, I, there's no official announcement has been made. I've definitely talked talked up that things are happening. Yes, definitely. Do you, uh, do you want to give us a tentative release date? I don't know. I, I you know, it, those there's those moments where I'm sort of like in the shower and I'm going like, screw it. I'm just going to put the thing out tomorrow. Like I, we, you know, we can't do this big vinyl release and we can't do the shows that we need to do. And what happens if this thing gets worse and people that I think should hear it, God forbid, die or something before they get to hear this amazing work? <laughs> just put it out Not tomorrow. Not that they're there for their children or anything. Yeah, they well, need to be they need to hear my throws. awesome yeah. work, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I, I think about just doing it, and uh, I'm not sure that that's going to be the right way to go. Um, but I don't think that the classic uh, way of doing it's going to be the way either. So I, I really have no idea. I, it's going to be out. You're going to hear some of it very soon. Ooh. And I, I know, I know for sure that one thing that I am planning on doing is um, sort of approaching all of those people that have been supportive of us you guys included uh and we're going to do some kind of a listening party online where it might not be the it might not be there on the streaming services yet it might not be a physical thing you can buy yet but we're we're itching to let people hear it and get input and to the degree that i think if we're taking the time to do this and we're going to do the, do it the way that we want to do it we can sort of crowdsource some of the opinions do you like the order of the songs do you think this song next to that song sounds good so we can play it for a group of maybe it's 10 or 20 or 30 people and get some input on it. So you, we'll definitely be inviting you guys. Ooh, to, uh, that'd be awesome. I'm, that. I'm excited. Uh, yeah. And we yeah. will happily plug it when it does finally come out. We will awesome. We will be more than happy to let everybody know. Yeah, our friend uh, Steve Heeman, who yes. uh, did the movies, uh-huh. he, he came on before his he released his 
that was a full feature. Mm-hmm. That was his first oh, yeah. full length feature. Yep. Yeah, and that was that was pretty cool. And then we went to the the premiere of that down at the Neon, and that was really oh, nice because awesome. I'm sitting there and it's dark, and I looked at the guy next to me. And I said, "He looks familiar." <laughs> In the movie, he's he's that actor right there. He's doing that part. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty cool. So now let's back up a minute. Do you think that um, the original concept will ever come to fruition for the movie? Well, so it's a sticky thing. You know, I was watching the documentary last night about the band Blue Oyster Cult, and when they started in the '60s, they had this concept for an album that was going to be their first album. And it didn't end up being their first album, and it didn't end up being their second album, and it didn't end up being their third album. They started in 1967. They finally put out this concept album that was the plan from the beginning in 1988. Oh, wow. I don't want it to go that far. Uh, (laughs) So the film is not going to happen in the way that it was. Uh, but I do have some ideas for how to share the story. So this, this album that's coming out was based on uh, the songs are just cricket bows songs, but they were tied into a sort of sci-fi uh, futuristic story uh, that I kind of dreamed up. And so I've shared bits of the writing from it. Like there have been cricket bows posts uh, on Instagram and Facebook that contain some of the, the written word uh, and some of the, the concept. Um, so right now I'm toying with the idea of uh, animation, but that takes a long Ooh. time. Um, we might do something. I've, I'm really excited right now. People are doing comic books basically on Instagram. Instagram gives you 10, 10 cells. Like when you share a picture, you can share up to 10 pictures per let, post. Let me ask you a question, like, and we'll talk about yeah. this after. <laughs> we, how, we how are you like on like for you. pulp type art? How am I on what? Pulp. Pulp art? Oh, I love pulp art. <gasps> well, I love pulp art. Yeah. Well, oh. We got a commission for you. Yeah, we're love, gonna... love, love. <laughs> yeah. The, uh... I love pulp art, especially like the old, like uh, the horror and true crime stuff from the 40s and 50s and 60s. I really uh, got into Mexican pulp art for a while. Uh, it's a next level. Like the Mexican stuff is so much brighter and more impactful and crazy. Mm-hmm. And they use like... Scooby Doo colors and well, during during the Technicolor, yeah. So like during the move, we had a sign that our friend Jackie had made for us that said Thirteenth Hour Studio. And I that, made that. Okay, it's With gone. Letters from Michaels. Yeah, it's it's gone now. And then I messed it up. Yeah, oh. and what we what we were thinking about is. The uh, the episode with my great grandfather Pappy Spears, where he was riding the horse through the woods, and Bigfoot <laughs> jumped on him, and his big fingernails wrapped around him. And I just had this vision right now of you know the horse like with the wide open mouth, like looking in fear, turning back oh, with man. Bigfoot hanging onto my great grandfather, and with Thirteenth Hour Studio, and that's kind of what oh, not, we we've got in vision. Uh, but that's one hundred percent up my alley. That, I'm, I'm, yeah. Into that. I just don't we'll have that type of show. I just don't have that type of creativity. But I thought, you know uh, what? I bet Chad. I, do that. <laughs> I bet Chad can do something like that. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's one of the things that you know. With the other thing, I, I started talking about all the things that I do that you have to be in person to really appreciate. Tattooing is my day job, and it's really, really difficult and hard right now. Our shop is open. Our artists are tattooing. I'm personally not tattooing right now, mm-hmm. and. uh the the so i'm trying to figure out 
other ways to sell my art. And so doing commissions, uh, you know, I used to do album covers for bands and t-shirts for bands and all kinds of stuff, uh, advertising art. And I'm kind of trying to do a lot of that stuff again and trying to figure out how to do it in a way that I'm not just, you know, running wild into the, you know, buy my stuff, but, uh, to, to kind of do stuff that fits my, my style and what I do. So now that's interesting. Yeah. That's an interesting idea too, is that when you were doing that kind of thing, it was, it was years ago, um, before, you know, the internet was the way the internet is and everything. Is it, is it different to try to, as an artist, market yourself? Are you having to relearn from a business side of things how to market your art um, in sort of the new digital age? A little bit. Like, I'm always, I think the biggest stuff that I've done definitely came about after the internet came into play for me. I think my, my art reached a broad audience and I started getting gigs for bands like LA Guns and Faster Pussycat and Electric Frankenstein and all these rock and roll bands. That was like the MySpace era. Like mm-hmm. the, the internet, huh. the, the <laughs> social media was pretty new at that point. And I was really good at presenting myself there and figuring out what sort of worked there. And so I, I got kind of big fast there. And then, but now everybody has that figured out. It's, it's, and all of the platforms like Instagram, for instance, can constantly changes what it is that they're looking for. So whereas I used to post something and get 300 or 400 views on Instagram or likes, now I get 25. Uh, so they're always changing it. So I'm, I'm watching YouTube and reading articles constantly about how to please the algorithm and how to, uh, you know, what, how many hashtags should I use? How, how much of it? And uh, so it's it's a tough one. You're constantly it, educating. It, I am 100 percent constantly. You know, and that fascinates me because with yeah. what we're doing with the podcast, once we went on lockdown, and I have to make some yeah. assumptions here, the our, our listening dropped probably about 50, 60 percent with the number of listeners per week. It dropped about that much. But then yeah. as things started lightening up. And people yeah. started going, working, and traveling again. It's right. it's gradually getting back up to about where it was yeah, with how many listens per week. We're assuming that people just, um, you know, they weren't driving anywhere, which right. at least is yeah. when we listen to podcasts. So we're assuming that that yeah, was right. what... When you got Netflix and know, Amazon right? we, Prime. We can't and, compete with all that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that Tig- makes Tiger King, Shit's Creek, yeah. and all that good stuff. <laughs> we're <laughs> not that interesting. <laughs> No, that's really interesting. It's funny that my the our our streaming stuff, like our music on Spotify, for instance, has gone up considerably since this happened. And I think it's because people are looking for something to do. But I think the the attention span, if you're sitting in your house looking for stuff to do, the human attention span is gonna you're you're only gonna spend five or ten minutes on something. You're gonna look for something else. Yeah. You know, and, and and so it's it's either you know looking for and people spend more time looking for something than doing it like (laughs) netflix you spend more time looking for something to watch than you actually spend watching and then kimball picks something and is like "Eh, why did you (laughs) pick that yeah i give it five i give it if it doesn't grab me in five minutes i'm moving on to something else (laughs) you know so that's really interesting that the podcast thing I, i didn't even think about the way that a podcast 
works and relates to somebody. You, yeah, you're driving. You're driving or you're in a workplace or in a, in a place where you're kind of captive and that's the thing that you, yeah, you I mean, have to... to there, there's a lot of research that goes into it. Like how long should a podcast be? You know, 30 minutes, 50 minutes, an hour? I know personally if there's one for two, two and a half hours, I'm not listening to the whole thing. No. Yeah. And so we, we think the hour is the, about the right Roughly. limit for a podcast because after that people are going to lose interest maybe or and you know yeah. for some people you know they listen for 15 20 minutes if they don't like the topic they'll switch it off and but, maybe they'll listen to the next one yeah but we, we get a lot of feedback and what's interesting for us is we get a lot of feedback from whatever reason ireland a lot of listeners in ireland and we've had yeah and one guy from iran of all places like faithfully as soon as the show comes out I, I say he. I don't know who it is, but thank yeah. you to yeah. our Iranian listener. Yeah, I mean, maybe yeah. he's a, the one person in Iran that listens maybe, to us. I, you know, I, I've thought about like working with the CIA here and like sending coded <laughs> messages to this guy or whatever's going. On. I don't know, but but you know, whoever it is, it, within an hour or two hours after we release an episode, boom, it pops up that someone in Iran listened to us. So I don't know. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, but that I love that kind of stuff, and that's what makes this fun for us hey we kind of yeah we kind of segued in we started talking about the business and then that just was good and then you but you're not downtown that much anymore right now at the studio no i well i pop in there probably every other day like today i went and dropped off some supplies for everybody i'm I'm still taking care of the place, you know. It's it's my place, so I'm I'm dropping off the soap and <laughs> and uh, coming down and cleaning everything after people have left for the evening. So I'm I'm there about every other day. Do you have a feel for the atmosphere of downtown right now? Because we're not going downtown a lot, and we're because right now, we are trying not, to stay home. Yeah. Right now it feels pretty normal. Uh, right now it's not so bad. There's definitely, it's it's not. You don't have as many people. Um, out and about, but it's, it's, there's still quite a few people. Most people are wearing their masks and, and maintaining a good distance. Um, it got really weird. The, it definitely felt like a little lawless. It felt for a short while there, like the police didn't want to kind of get out and mess with anybody and potentially get sick. So there was like the, 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 the street people that were out and about at odd hours, it was, it was more, uh, and you're seeing a lot of people driving really poorly and just a lot of weird, like things that made you feel edgy. Uh, and we definitely went through a period, not just downtown, but like going to Kroger or wherever, for instance, where there was like, there was a, 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 a chunk of time where people seemed to be really, uh, angry and aggressive and, and frustrated. And, uh, Michelle heard a woman have like a, complete mental breakdown in a Kroger one day and was yelling about some conspiracy theory stuff. And, and, uh, it, it's, it's been weird, but like this last week, I think maybe or so, um, I feel like there's a, there's, there's some acceptance happening and there's, there's some sense of normalcy happening. It'll be interesting. I, I, other States are closing down again pretty rapidly uh, and they're at least closing down certain businesses. I, I foresee uh, that potentially happening again to us. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see what it's like if that happens again. Um, 
It's us, weird. Us meaning our business. Yeah. Our business. Well, and the, the, the type of business. The, like, we got closed down in a wave. It was tattoo shops, salons, massage parlors, mm-hmm. um, uh, bars, indoor restaurants, stuff like that. Kind of. There yeah, was I, a there was wave. I wonder if they can look now with hindsight and they can go back and say, you know what? Knowing what we know now, we can let these businesses stay open so they don't have to completely shut down like restaurants. And like, especially with the summer months upon us now, you know, we can, we can dine outside. We can do that. And I like the idea of an individual business, you know, getting the guidelines from the the smart people and then making their own decisions. How can we do this safely? Like you're a smart guy. You can know how to, you can figure out how to do this safely and yeah. and as we talked in the last time we talked, you made your you made a conscious decision to shut down, and I would assume that's because you didn't know enough about it at the time. But yeah. I think right now, I think you could, and you're allowing your artists to go through and operate mm-hmm. because they are following are. strict procedures. There's, we are. There's a lot of stuff that we still don't fully know or understand, and there's a lot of really the information is really being skewed by political biases and oh. media type. crazy. And uh, so there's a lot of stuff where, you know, I, I, I came back and tattooed for a little while and then I stopped again. And, and when I did come back, there, there were quite a few people that I tattooed. I saw people not show up without their masks. I had people that didn't want to be bandaged after they got tattooed because they wanted to go show off the tattoo in a group of people. And, so there's there's a lot of stuff that's before and after my my shop that I worry about. There's there's the there's where have the people been before they come in and then we're trapped. The average tattoo takes three hours. It might take five or seven. It might take one, but it's three hours is typically the amount of time that I spend with a client uh, in really tight close quarters. I'm definitely closer than six feet away. Where where were you before you came and and. You know, we we went in there one day and somebody had just come from uh, taking their mom to the urgent care. Uh, <laughs> and came in and I, it made me feel a little weird, you know. And then uh, somebody else came in and we saw that they had gone to a big party, a pool party. It kind of made me feel a little weird. And uh, so it's this whole thing. And then once we open their skin, now they have more than just their nose and their eyes and their mouth that are potential uh, you know, viral, uh, entry points. Now they have a big, you know, wound on their arm or back or leg that is potentially a viral entry point. So it's a tough one for tattooing. I think restaurants have a good thing going because they can walk it out to your car or you can go in and pick it up and take it with you, or they can have an outdoor, uh, situation tattooing, uh, a lot of the up close, you know, body work stuff and massage and everything. That's a, that's a little different. Um, it's, it's tough to know. Um, we've got, we've got some pretty good protocols in place. Our artists take it really seriously. Everybody, you know, gets their temperature taken. We, we talk to the client so many times prior to their appointment now to remind them if they've gone out of state or if they have a fever or whatever, don't come reschedule. You'll now, not lose the deposit. Have you gotten a lot of pushback on that? Because I know um, where I work, and I'm not going to name the studio, but we have, um, you know, we are in Montgomery County, which is mandatory masks. However, 
Um, as massage, we are a little bit different because technically we can we kind of fall under a medical thing. Um, so we've had a lot of clients and we, we require masks in the studio, even when you're getting your massage. And we've had a lot of pushback from clients saying, well, that's not relaxing. Or you ask me these same screening questions too many times or whatever, whatever. Have you yeah. gotten pushback or has everybody been pretty okay with all of it? I would say for the most part, everybody's been okay with us. Now, I, I definitely know it, it depends it depends on who you talk to. I, I definitely have, like, for instance, one artist uh, that's there. She's had some trouble with some clients. Uh, it kind of, you see all those things pop up as far as like, at what level do people respect you? At what level do people fear you? Mm-hmm. And for me, I, I have either, with my clientele, I either have a lot of respect <laughs> or a lot of fear. And they can believe completely the opposite thing of me. Uh, and when I say something, they won't argue with me, uh, because I'm, I'm the type of person that will just tell them to take a hike. Well, you're you know, a pretty big guy too. It, so it, well, that's <laughs> it. I, 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 they don't, they don't give me any trouble, but for instance, one of my lady artists that works with me, she's a younger woman. Um, and she's nice and sweet and, and female and all of these things. She gets shit. People give her shit. People argue with her. Uh, people give her a hard time. Um, and that, so that's kind of, we, we're seeing those things kind of bubble up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't seen a lot. Erica, who works in the salon world, she's, we're moving her into our tattoo shop. We're licensing space in our tattoo shop for her to move into our space because the space she used to be in, yep. the salon she used to be at, uh, the, there were clients that had problems and there were people that worked there that had problems uh, with the mask and it, not just comfort, but political side mm. and conspiracy side and all of that kind of stuff. Um, I know that there are a lot of my clients that feel that way, uh, I, that, that feel that it is too much, that we're taking too much precaution or that they should, they, you know, they don't want to wear their seatbelt basically. Like yeah. I just don't want to wear my seatbelt. Uh, and, uh, so, but they don't, they're not telling us that in the same way. I think that they're maybe telling, um, you know, a tattoo artist is going to be a lot more combative. If you tell me you don't like wearing a mask, I'm going to probably cuss at you. You know, what I mean? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going to say, "Oh, I'm sorry." Well, don't wear your mask then. I'm going to say, you know, I might. Yeah, I probably won't threaten to beat you up. But uh, ten years ago, <laughs> ten years ago, I would have threatened to kick your ass in the street. You know, you know, so, I, <laughs> I I stopped watching the news. I mean, I used to watch it and not. As you know, like watch that like was, the six o'clock local. Yeah, I mean, not, it wasn't like it, it all consumed me. But I would watch, and this is how I've always been. So I would watch a little bit of Fox News, then I'd watch MSNBC, just trying to get different opinions so yeah, I could make up my own mind. But it, yeah. it's just got to the point that for months and months now, I, I quit watching. I will turn on the news just to get headlines, or I'll read and I'll I'll look up, you know, like foreign sources, overseas sources, and just different things, just so I can make up my own mind. But the other night, for whatever reason, I turned on a station, and um, I I understand how one political side now is getting their views from this, because this is what the host of the show, this is what they were throwing out there, is like, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, no wonder we are in the position we're in right now. It, it, to me, it's absolutely stupid and it, it's that so, this has become 
political. Yeah, it's so laughable. Yeah. The idea that a virus picks a political party is ridiculous. Yeah. It is ridiculous. It's it's it, a it's a virus. Like it yeah. it doesn't think. It just yeah. <laughs> viruses. <In> fact, <laughs> yeah, viruses. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you can people are judging you if you're wearing a mask, you're a liberal snowflake and if you are uh not wearing a mask, you are like what is it? A you're 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 trampling on my constitutional rights, yeah, and yeah. there's no balance for anything out here right now that I see. Now you mentioned um, it. It almost sounds a little bit like the grief process. Um, you said you know there was a, a portion of time when yep. things got weird, um, yep. and I I think that do you think that some of that had to do with the racial inequality issues? that are going on in the midst of everything that just similar to a grieving process, there's that anger stage and, and that kind of happened, you know, the, the racial um, issues happened kind of during the same process of uh, sort of a grieving process in the same time. We have these two, I mean, there are multiple things going on, but we have these two sort of massive things that are completely not related happening to our world at the same time. And that's the the sickness, uh, the pandemic, and that is the civil rights issues. Um, and it, it's, it's really crazy that it's just, it's, You couldn't have predicted it. It's just the roll of the dice that these things have overlapped in this time frame. Um, I think that if the pandemic wasn't happening, people would still be angry about these civil rights issues. But we know that the Redskins wouldn't be changing their name. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know what I mean? We we know that there, you know, when George Floyd was murdered, we would have seen riots potentially in, in Minneapolis. We would have seen... Uh, some marches probably in some other major cities. Uh, But, you know, sadly, George Floyd is one of hundreds that happens constantly. I mean, this happens constantly. And what was the tipping point? And I think it had everything to do with everybody being in a really fragile place from the fear from this pandemic. Also, everybody being off work. Mm. Uh, Also, you know, there's just all of these things fell into place to create a perfect storm of yeah fear anxiety and it is it's very much like the grieving it, process it it's it, so much like that it's like a physical and emotional illness all at once it's like yeah. you've got the emotional illness of racial inequality and the physical illness of covid and then they kind of smash together and make this giant mess Yes, And we have a political world that, for better or worse, is not hiding its stripes anymore. Mm. The, the Donald Trump world is all about, like, he's, he goes out of his way to try to make people react. He's, he's a reactionary marketing, you know, maybe genius, maybe idiot, but uh, the, he's, he knows how to make people talk about him. Yeah. He, knows people, he knows how to make people... Uh, he knows how to signal like the, all of the, the veiled racism and well, that's not racism. Well, no, what you said was race. Oh no, I didn't mean it that way. It, 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 this, all of this stuff is, is like, it used to be that, you know, people would say, Oh, George Bush is racist. Well, there's no, there's no 
sign of that anywhere. I mean, there are wealth inequalities and there are all these things. They've always been there. But I don't see George Bush saying anything or I don't see uh, Ronald Reagan saying anything specifically racist, you know. Right. But Trump, Trump hires like the top racists to write his speeches. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like This guy is hiding zero. And his his his, you know, Bill Clinton. No, I didn't touch that girl. Well, yeah, we know you did. <laughs> Trump's like, I touched them all. I touched them twice. I touched them three times. Hey, you know when, what I mean? So when, we have this world where we keep getting hit with like, did he just effing say that? Did that just happen? You know, so we have this weird like, if another president had behaved the way that our president's behaving, we we would have thought that they would have, the reason that they were behaving themselves is because they would have had their job ended in some kind of way. And now we're finding that none of those things end the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, so, and so we're seeing that guy doing it. So everybody now that's in a position of power, especially the, the white male dominated the police and the military, they're all catching guff whether they're doing anything wrong or not. They're all catching guff now because it's like we have to stop some of this at some point where we can. Like there's so much upsetting stuff happening that we just have to do something. Yeah. And so when Not- the police, when a comedian, when, when they find on Twitter that a comedian said a bad word that's unacceptable now nine years ago, uh, that comedian's now canceled. Or, or yeah. you know what I mean? It's, we're, we're going and, and we're doing the things we can now. Uh, and it's, and it's, and it's kind of weird. It's, it's just kind of all coming out of nowhere. And, and, just everything is politicized and everything is is how, just how much longer is Epstein's girlfriend going to be alive <laughs> man <laughs> how who could have who could have I mean, this is like written to, they called her G Max like she's like a freaking villain she's like a super villain's girlfriend she's like she's got like she She's plays her, her phone in aluminum foil and hiding yeah. from the cops. I, I loved that. Wrap my phone in aluminum foil. <laughs> she plays her cards right. She will never see another day in jail. But uh, right, she better. <laughs> she's gonna sing like a canary. But but I, I mean, would. She'll probably commit suicide too. Honestly, <laughs> no, she she, she yeah. will probably get COVID. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's what. Yeah. You heard it yeah. here first. She yeah. will get COVID. <laughs> you watch. It's coming. Oh, I hate being cynical about hornets. stuff. Where did the murder hornets go? Is a murder hornet going to go? Are the squirrels with the bubonic plague? Have you seen this? Oh, I did see that today. That Yeah, Jeez. there's a squirrel in, in Colorado that tested yes. positive for bubonic plague. So guess, guess what's next? <laughs> Michelle, what have you been doing yes. to keep busy? Um, Well, I, I, I don't know. I run after Chad quite a bit, but honestly, <laughs> it's... Uh, both of my parents are um, not the best at health, so I've been kind of taking care of the house and them as much as I can and uh, trying to help keep them positive as they go through different things that are scary and, uh, you know, keeping track of doctor's appointments and who took what pill when and all those things. So I, uh, I, I don't I haven't really talked about it much, but we, we really are taking care of my parents mostly. Yeah. and. I go to the grocery store a lot for, for everything everybody needs. And, and, uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it's been extra stress. That's for sure. But it, at the same time, you just sit and go, well, what else can happen at this point? So. 
and we also keep falling into those situations where the worst thing in the world happens, but we've somehow ended up in the best place. You yeah, know I mean? that, that has the, been our luck. You know, it's so everything has been a curse and then a blessing behind exactly. it. Exactly. So, Being here for my parents at this time has been really important for me. A uh, great chance to get to spend time with my parents and learn about each other as adults. Whereas before, you know, I left, we got married at 19. So, uh, you know, getting the chance to be in the home with them and be with them all the time through ups and downs is, is a great experience to actually get. I'm glad that I'm getting this time. Now, so. Has that changed your perception of them at all? And, and oh, kind yes. of the way that you grew up and, and just, are you able to look back at things in your life now as an adult and, and looking at them as adults and kind of understand more where they were coming from? There's a uh, commercial okay. about this. Yeah. <laughs> Daily. Daily. Yeah. I, uh, I talk about it with Chad every, every day, actually. I, I understand now or, <laughs> or, uh, being an adult with adult eyes and knowing how I feel internally to watch my parents, you know, how we're genetically matched. And I see, oh, that anxiety comes from this one or, you know, uh, find, finding, finding the bits and pieces of each other that I, the, of, of them that I've gotten. So it, it, it definitely has helped for does, sure. Does it change the way that you parent? Uh, yes, actually. <laughs> um, I've always, we've always been very, very open with our girls, but to understand the that everything has an end, you know, that's something that has not been, even though I knew it, it was something that I, I really thought about or faced, but every, I really realized that, you know, we only get so much time on this earth and we don't know how much that is or anything. Make the best of it. Control of it. No control. That's, that's been, I guess, the biggest uh, learning thing for me is I, I have no control. I have to just roll with what the day throws at me and, uh, it's a lesson I needed to learn instead of planning everything to a T. So well, I learned that a long time ago. You can't control what's going on no. in the world. You just got to make the best of what you can within your sphere of influence mm-hmm. and right. do what you can with that. That's my whole philosophy and attitude on life anymore. It's it's you are a hundred percent correct. Yeah. I had the illusion of control before, for sure. It was never actually in my control at all. So I, and I then they were toddlers. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that that is something that comes with age, um, because you know you can you can talk to your girls about that now and tell them you know every day of their lives that it's not within your control and stop trying to worry about what people think about you and don't do this oh, yeah. and don't do that. But until they've had some life experiences under your belt, like you're just not going to get it. Spoken exactly. like an old woman right I there, know. you know. I know. I'm getting up there. So how have the kids cope with all this? School, not having their friends. They're doing good. We're we're homeschoolers already. Uh, So the school thing wasn't an issue for us. We've been very lucky. We've watched other friends with kids that go to public school, and the kids are definitely struggling with not seeing, you know, not seeing each other every day as much as they want, doing all those things. Where our kids kind of had, a lot of their friends were already on virtual side of things. They would do FaceTime meetups and things. So... We've been pretty lucky, again, with that one, that they've stayed, it, things have kind of stayed the same for them. They, they don't get to go as many places. There are things, that, like there are 4-H kids, 4-H, so they haven't yeah. been able to do 4-H. And they, 4-H went virtual. And they have, you know, uh, 
Presley had a friends group that would meet at the library every week that doesn't do that now. Yeah. So there there has been some stuff where they're, I'm changes. sure they're feeling a little bit. And like birthdays, we always go all out for birthdays. They've both had birthdays during this. And uh, we generally travel or do something kind of epic for their birthdays. And this year it was, we did what we could and they, they still had good birthdays, but they it was, definitely did. it was nowhere near, uh, they had pandemic birthdays. Mm. So what, what's <laughs> yeah. their and that was something that I, I thought, oh, I'm ready for no big deal. We're alive. I'll be fine. And then as the day approached, I was like, oh my God, the, the parent guilt still got me. <laughs> so what's their 4-H, um, their project or their special? Yeah, what, what do they do with 4-H? go virtual? Well, it's been hard, actually. Uh, a lot of our group with 4-H, we don't have many animal uh, things. So that was lucky for us. Though they've been having the county fair. Like today I saw they were doing the, the cow showing. They did lambs. They're still doing that side of thing. The animal thing is still happening. Masks and distancing. Uh, but now for Presley, she did a self-determined project with art. And so she was able to show her leader over the uh, a FaceTime meeting what she had accomplished and and so they it's it's not as fun they did Zoom meetings it's uh, not the same but at least they got to see each other and talk with each other. Yeah, I mean people are yeah. creative. A lot of people have figured out oh, a yeah. whole lot of things to make life still go on and happen. I think the people who are oh, just yeah. sit there and like woe is me like Eeyore <laughs> woe is me yeah. those are those have to be some miserable people. Yeah. Our 10-year-old figured out how to FaceTime and play Barbies with her friends. She plays Aww. Barbie dollhouse and all the things she loves. And it's just they, they set up their phones and, and they just have a blast still. So you, you can figure it out. You just have to be in the mindset of, okay, well, I can't do it this way. What's a new creative way to do it? What's a more fun way to do it? So, and Lily, she's a little entrepreneur. She's always trying to start new businesses, and she can't go out in the world. She had she she's started, our ten year old. Yeah, she had started like a dog walking business before all this stopped, and or all this started. And uh, but she hasn't been able to do that because we've been stuck at home. So she figured out that if she goes to the store and buys a big bag of Reese's cups and stuff like that, that dad will buy well, them she sends from me to the store. So <laughs> she's making a good 20 bucks a week off of buying Reese's cups and, and things from her. So yeah. she has her she own, started like, a candy it's like business. a prison business. Yeah. Here, uh, she's, she's the candy guy. Does anybody need candy? Is a routine yeah, she, When she question. sells out, she re-ups. Yep. She's, it's, it's a serious business. Yep. In here. That's she pays awesome. Them. What's the going rate for a mini Reese's cup these days? <laughs> 50 cents per Reese's cup. Yeah. Wow. I get two things for a dollar. Yep. And you're spending 20 <laughs> bucks a week on this. I, I do. I go, I go five bucks at a time, eat them all. <laughs> <laughs> and she makes packages for him. She has a oh, everything. Everything. Is, it's, it's great. I mean, she really is doing like a business. I get, I'll, I'll order $5 worth of candy. And then she delivers it wrapped in a package with a thank you note, like yep. thank you for shopping. Yeah, she's yeah, she's got it down. Last, so yep. Hey, yeah. I hate to end this because I'm having a great time. Yeah, we love having. Yeah, you. but uh, any last things? Anything you want to talk about? Any promotions? What you got going on? You know what? We're I I have a whole lot of stuff going on, and it's all in various states of uh, untied and tied. <laughs> Find if, if you're interested in what we're talking 
talking about, find us on Facebook. There's a lot of music, a lot of art, a lot of family. Uh, and uh, we're finding new ways to share all of that with people online. So uh, I think Facebook seems to be the best place to... For Cricket Bows or Tattoo Shop Wells and Company everything. or us personally. Yeah, we've got Wells and Watson. We've got Cricket Bows. Erica and I, here's one for you. If you want to scoop, yeah. there's a secret project in Ooh. the works. Erica and I and a friend of ours from New Jersey, who's a pretty big deal. He's in the band Electric Frankenstein. He was in the band Christian Death. These are like goth bands from the 80s and the punk bands and stuff. Uh, we have started a new wave. We have recorded a new wave album under, the name, under the name New Wave Vendetta. Uh, and it is a pandemic <laughs> recording, and it's all going to start coming out soon. And uh, I'm telling you guys about it, but it's going to be a secret when it comes out. We're not going to promote it as under our names or anything like that. I'll still be sharing it. In about 30 it's minutes, gonna it's going to be out. <laughs> it's going to be a whole right. cut. Just... No, anybody that's listening, don't tell anybody yeah, that it's us. Yeah, it'll be fine. Okay. And, uh, but that's coming out. We've got all kinds of stuff happening. Okay. Your, your so secret our, is safe with us and the guy, guy in Iran. And the guy in Iran will uh, keep it quiet. Well, that's right. if he's really in Iran and he's not just a proxy VPN guy or whatever, that's, he's, <laughs> right. probably, he's probably from Huber Heights. He just uses the <laughs> Proxy you know, to look at that, that is one thing. We, it'll, it'll show like the different states, the different countries. And then it'll say others, and there will be lots and oh. lots of others. And I figure that is probably through VPNs that those, they, those they, they just can't yeah. track. Real quick, one last thing. Goes, Why would somebody want that? And I'm like, I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> do I like not knowing. Do you well, want to plug? You know when they test you, they're actually putting the chip Oh, up my your gosh. Nose. Anyway. Yeah, you right. know that, right? <laughs> anyway. Do you want to uh, do, so do a, a guy? I had a guy today that told me, he said, you know, they're trying to do away with cash. And I said, yeah, I know. We've already gone cashless at the shop. We're all credit. And he goes, you can't do that. You have to keep cash on you at all times. And I said, well, you know, that's what the – he goes, you got to keep money in your pocket. And I said, but when the Federal Reserve goes down, that money's not worth anything. That's why there's a coin shortage, and they're not giving you any coins back is because – the government's taking all the coins and they're melting down the stuff that's valuable. That paper's not worth anything. This guy's head almost exploded. <laughs> I, gave, I fed him back his conspiracy times four. I think so, that's the fun. When, the, when they come to you with the conspiracies, hit them harder. <laughs> hit them back with even deeper stuff. I think we've mentioned this one time, but I like to shoot. And I was with my brother. We were at a range up in uh, Maryland. And it was late. And this guy came in. And he was wearing bib overalls, and he had a pamphlet, and he handed it to us, and it was from the John Birch Society. And oh, he yeah. said, you know why there's barcodes on the back of the road signs, don't you? And like, no, sir. He goes, it's because when all the foreigners come over here, they can't read American, and they got scanners, and that's so they can navigate and go. And you know, they, they thought, I was stationed out at Fort Irwin, California one time, which our job out there with what I did, we were, we portrayed a Soviet army. So we were what we called the op for the opposing force. And so we wore different uniforms than what, yeah. you know, our, our regular army uniforms had to go up to Walmart in Barstow, California. And some guy we noticed he'd been following us through the store for like 15 minutes <laughs> and, and we're, we're checking out and the guy comes up to us. He goes, you Americans. I said, yes, sir. Well, why are you wearing that? It doesn't say United States Army, and we had to explain to him what he did. But if you look at a lot of the literature on some of these way out sites, 
Fort Irwin is one of those places that's listed as a secret NATO base because there's foreign uh, tanks out there. Yeah, there are. They were U.S. tanks at what we called VIZ-modded, visually mm-hmm. modified to look like Soviet tanks. But that's... That's just not as interesting. Yeah. Uh, Lord, wow. Lord help us all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One last yep. thing. Do you want to plug yeah. love stuff at all? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, since I stopped doing the 4 o'clock dailies, I've I've kind of been on a little bit of pause with doing anything with that. But we share the hashtag, uh, hashtag love stuff. Uh, we're trying to kind of uh, get people moving toward... Uh, doing uh you know random acts of kindness and 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 things out of uh one group taking care of each other as best we can one of our one of our she's very active in in trying to promote love stuff lost her job we were able to get her a new job in just a couple days you know we're trying to just all look out for each other as many of us that's all we can do yeah numbers safety in numbers but yeah we so that we are officially going to try to move that toward being a uh, an official, uh, I don't even know what you call it, nonprofit. Yes. Uh, ultimately, but uh, in the meantime, to kind of escape the ugliness that you see out in the world, um, yeah. whenever on all of the socials, if you spot somebody doing something kind for someone else, if you have done something kind for somebody else, go ahead and brag on it. Hashtag love stuff. Do right. the search hashtag love stuff and and follow the hashtag. Um, and you'll see that there is a lot more positivity out there than what you might think. Thank you. That's, that's very important. We all need to see that. There's so much non, (laughs) uh, love stuff happening. We we need to to recognize it is still actually happening. Get away from the talking heads on TV and think for yourself. That's right. Yeah. And even those, even when there's somebody that we see as a, that's one of the things I talk about a lot when I was doing my four o'clock, you know, if, if, for instance, I brought up Trump earlier, uh, if, if we look at that person compassionately and with love and say, well, you know, maybe there's something behind this where he's confused or needs help, or maybe he, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we don't have to just make everybody the enemy. If somebody feels something differently than you, if there's a, you know, there's a great story, I forget the darn guy's name, but there's this African-American gentleman who goes out of his way to befriend Ku Klux Klan members. And he's like talked, I don't know how many hundreds of guys out of the Klan by just going and showing, hey, look, I have more in common with you than you think. Mm-hmm. Let's mm-hmm. let's hang out. Let's be friends. Those are acts of love and compassion that can really. Yeah, that's that's where things change. If we if we set up fences and defenses and stand across the room from each other and yell at each other, nothing's ever going to change. But if we go, well, maybe something happened to you bad when you were a baby, or maybe you've never been exposed to the right thing, then then we can move with love and compassion and we can see people change. You know, if people could just look for people, I mean, look, if, if someone were to see me with my short hair and you there with your beard and your hair and stuff like that, they'd say these people would never get along. They, But it just, I, I just hate when people stereotype and think things that, yeah. Just take yep. people for what they are. Yep, absolutely. Yep. That's right. Yeah. 100%. All right. Good well, way to end it, guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, look, I hope when all this is over, we can build us a bonfire out in the back and uh, yeah, absolutely. bring some friends over and we'll do some stuff out there in the backyard somewhere. Uh, we'll be We're there. We're in. Yeah. We're in. <laughs> all right. So, Kim. Yep. How do you find us? Uh, you can find us on Twitter 
um, at A Lost Hour. You can also email us at alosthour at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at An Hour of Your Life. Um, and you can find Wells and Company Tattoo on all of the above platforms as well, I believe. Um, also Cricket Bows. Um, I know Wells and Watson has a Facebook page. Uh, so all kinds of good stuff out there. All right. So from our studios in Sugar Creek, Ohio. Thanks for spending an hour of your life with us. Ain't no sources this week, but Chad Michelle. <laughs> <laughs>